G'day and welcome to Occupied, your fortnightly podcast for all things occupation and occupational therapy. This episode's one I've been wanting to do for a really long time. I finally managed to get Devlin, better known to the own online OT community as the Rainbow OT, in to have a chat. And we wanted to do an absolute deep dive into understanding the why around gender identity and pronouns uh, for certain communities. Also wanted to try and negate some of the common misconceptions around this contemporary topic. Now, Dev has done other podcasts on OT for Life and also on Seniors Flourish, where he goes into a lot of depth around introducing the concepts and defining them. We don't do this in this podcast, so I really would recommend if you haven't listened to that, go and listen to those couple of podcasts with Dev before coming and having a listen to that. If you feel comfortable with the general definitions around gender identity and and pronouns, then feel free to, to continue on i'll throw the links to those two episodes in the show notes for you if you are looking for them i got a question for you (laughs) and i'm assuming it came from sarah (laughs) we talked about it are you ready are you sweating it or no let's start with that why not well first i'll establish like i always do that i'm devlin the rainbow ot also known as and my pronouns are they and them so brock what are what are your pronouns I have no idea. You have uh, no idea. I don't actually know. I don't. I haven't got my head fully around the whole pronoun concept. I think. Mm. I don't. I mean, I like. I I've, have seen, especially some of the stuff that you've posted online uh, around like other people saying theirs, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what people call me. I've never really thought about it. Or, I don't know, I suppose I just never really cared. People could call me whatever they want, and that's more of a okay. reflection on them than it is on me. Um, people get my name wrong all the time anyway, so I don't know. I just think I, I've never, I guess I've never identified or put so much, uh, I don't know what you'd say, impact? No, that's not the right word. So much importance on what other people might say to me, I guess. I don't know. I've just never really understood the the depth and the importance of it, which is one of the reasons okay. why I wanted to get you on here was to try and get a better understanding of all of this stuff. Yeah. So, um, okay. Do you, I'm going to ask you a counter question. We'll talk about, we could define pronouns if we want, or we can just send them to, to other places where they can find the definition. But do you, do you think that statement, like it doesn't, in a way matter to you, the use of pronouns? Do you think that comes from your identity of, of being a straight male, a straight cis male? Uh, well, I mean, I say, cause I don't know anything else, right. um, but I will, I could definitely see how it could. Yeah. Yeah. So when people refer to you, mm-hmm. um, if your your wife is talking about you, your, your sibling, um, what what do they use? He? Do they use she? Do you use they? What it what is typically used? Um, probably a curse word. No, uh, <laughs> I would assume. I mean, I don't know. She's probably more likely to be getting up me about not listening. So that probably answers that question. 
no, she probably, I would assume she'd say he or him. Or, yeah. And or how depending does, on the context like, of the conversation, yeah. Does that feel right when people when people use he or him to identify you, or does that does that feel like that's off? Like if someone were to say your name wrong, if, if I were to call you Brian the whole time, would it feel like I was calling you Brian, or would it feel right to you to be to be identified as he him? Again, I don't I don't recall ever knowing anything other than that, so I assume right. yeah that that would probably feel right but i don't know like like i said uh, earlier like people get my name wrong all the time i don't like uh, whatever right. I, I, I don't i'm not the one that's like no that's not my name kind of thing i just run with it i'm like you know if you don't know me then that's i'm kind of in this mindset with regards to that kind of thing of the and this generally general public that will get my name wrong not people that actually know me so Mm -hmm. i've kind of got myself into this mindset of and this is with everything not just this but the people that want to know me and want to be close to me care about me that kind of thing they know Mm -hmm. Um, now and everyone else like i'm not going to go around going no that's not my name that's my name's brock this is how it's spelled I don't even say here's a thing for that. If I order a coffee or something if I, or something where you have to like give your name, I don't even use my name because it's just easier not to explain it. I just say I'm Michael because that's my middle name. <laughs> so do, can you like think deeply back to a time maybe when you were younger or maybe even just becoming a professional when you may have felt a different way when you're when you were identified by the wrong name? Did you ever like have a frustration or mismatch of identity, anything along those lines on any level at some point in your life where now you're at this point where you're like, man, if it happens, it happens. Um, do you, can you think back to a time when it maybe wasn't like that? Um, I can imagine it, but I can't, I don't have any sort of memory of it happening. And that's where I think partly my non uh, understanding of of a lot of these concepts is literally coming from like in the whole on the whole, my life's been pretty easy. Like I yeah. haven't had a lot of major challenges or anything like that, and I think that's right. partly where a lot of my like yeah, I don't get it kind of thing. I just focus on my stuff. Sort of attitude comes yeah. from, I guess. So. To put it frankly, I, I fit into a lot of the same boxes as you, mm-hmm. societal boxes. You're we're both white men, right? Biological male. If we're gonna if we're gonna go there, or mm-hmm. at least I look to other people like my identity is male, mm-hmm. and that gives us an easy pass. We could drive in the fast lane for that easily. But then you also are um, straight, and you're you're cis uh, gender, which I would fall under cisgender as well. Um, at least when people view me. So a lot of people, uh, as, as Sarah referred to you as like a, a regular dude, um, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, yeah. But in a sense, you know, you, you don't have to think twice about being misgendered. Um, when you when your name is misused, that doesn't maybe doesn't mean something different to you because of those identities you already hold. And maybe because of these boxes you fit into from societal expectations, you're, you know, the poster child. And 
if you will, in, in a lot of ways where you fit what society views as normal. Yeah. So for people like me that, that don't, it's all about that use of language, right? So um, for someone like you or Sarah or my family, my friends, they know that I identify as non-binary. I don't, I, I don't want to say I feel because it's not a feeling, but I don't fit in between this binary of male and female. I, I am elsewhere. I'm non-binary. I don't dictate my life based off of gender norms or stereotypes. And I identify with and, and am they, them. Um, because that fits my identity. And so I have been on a long journey to getting to this point of, of self-discovery. I, I dealt with a lot of internalized homophobia over years, even just coming out as gay. That took a long time for me. I came out at 17, which is early for a lot of people. How, but I how, didn't how really... long before that did you sort of know yourself? Like, so my, my earliest memory was in second grade, and I remember having a dream about kissing a boy. And I remember, which, you know, a little young for thinking about that, but I remember having that dream, and I remember that dream feeling different, and I remember not feeling that way about um, females, but I didn't, you know, I was in second grade. I, I couldn't conceptualize that yeah, on yeah. an identity level. I didn't have um, exposure to really anything LGBT plus at that age, nor, you know, in the early 2000s, late 90s, was that even, it, it still wasn't accepted on the level that it's accepted today. So, and I use that with air quotes for those who can't see from besides Brock. But yeah. um, I knew then that that's what I was attracted to, or that's what I identified with. I didn't have an identity to go along with that. Um, my mother would was and is, oh, has always been a very accepting person. My mom had a lot of gay friends when she was younger and in college. And um, it was it was the exact opposite with my father. And so a lot of my exploration of that identity um, or those thoughts was repressed outwardly, um, outwardly by him. So it wasn't until after he passed when I was 12 that I kind of had the freedom to start exploring that part of my identity. Um, and that took a long time still with having that freedom that not everyone has, um, from 12 to 17 to really figure out like, this is who I am. Um, so yeah, that's where that came from. And now I'm 24 and it's just within the past year that I've been able to accept within myself that I'm not, I don't really feel comfortable with just the identity of male. I don't think that encompasses who I am. And that's where those they, them pronouns come from. So for myself, along the journey I've had, it's kind of, I do have a feeling similar to you. And that's why I asked if you can remember back to a time when you did initially get frustrated when people used the wrong name or didn't get your name correctly, because um, I did initially when I started identifying with they, them pronouns or as non-binary, that it was frustrating to me. But for me, um, it's almost... Like not worth the energy to get frustrated when it's when I'm you know quote unquote misgendered or identified improperly because that is like the norm and I know that externally when anyone looks at me on the streets they're gonna think male I have a beard and you mm. know I wear whatever I you know also wear makeup but even when I do that I get called male and I don't personally get upset by that but there's a lot of statistics and there are a lot of people that that heavily affects that that misgendering or the misuse of their identity and that's mm. where this pronoun campaign campaign came from. And that's where a lot of the rainbow OT comes from is 
I knew, which reverting back to what we talked about before, I present as a white cis male and there's power behind that just in society. And I knew that I had an opportunity and have an opportunity to talk about these things and maybe heard by other people because of how I look and these, these privileges that I have. Um, and the pronoun campaign is really not only for myself, but for, for people that maybe can't speak as loudly about it or don't have these privileges because there are statistics that there's an increased rate of up to 50% of suicide ideation or, or attempts on, on their life just from being misidentified in their gender or their pronouns in a healthcare setting. And that's, those are, there's, there's like three major studies that show that. And that's just isolated to healthcare that someone is more likely to take their life or attempt that, or even think about it just because someone won't use their, their right name or their correct gender or the correct pronouns. And that's messed up. We can fix that just by the use of language. And it's, it's that Mm -hmm. simple. Um, when you choose to say he or she and just stick within that realm, it's there's really no different energy after you start to retrain that thought process for using they or for for identifying someone how they want to be identified. And that's really where that pronoun uh, promise came from and, and hopes to make some sort of impact, even if it's minor, on that statistic or on the experiences of people not just in healthcare because the world is a lot bigger than healthcare and not everyone even accesses healthcare. So which is a total another deep dive that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 where that came from. Um, and that's why the pronoun promise means a lot to me and that's why going back to those privileges someone like you who you know you you said you don't really identify with anything, but most maybe if correct me if I'm wrong, most outwardly accept he him pronouns. That's what what maybe fits who you are. Yeah, I I would say so, but I like I don't know how I would feel if yeah you know, someone said they or anything else. Right. So um, I like you asking now whether that would. Like that feels comfortable. I'm like, well, that you know, it's not uncomfortable. I don't have any particular. Right. I don't know. I guess I don't have any strong feeling towards it because I've never had to. I guess right, um, and that's yeah. I think that's probably by the sounds of it, that's the difference. Right, and that's kind of what we we talked about those those privilege privilege lanes we get to drive in. But mm. someone someone like you, I know uh, for my pronoun campaign, the pronoun promise. Uh, I don't know the exact statistic, but I'm going to come up with a number that is definitely representative. And it's probably like 98%, if not higher, of those who participated identify with she, her pronouns. Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe there may have been one other individual besides myself that identifies with they, them pronouns. And I had one individual who is within the LGBT plus community that shared he, him pronouns. So the, this, you know, that's, there's a huge gap in between, you know, those who are willing to share that identity or at least participate and understood how that may affect others, not even just for representing themselves. So when someone like you, who, you know, fits those boxes we talked about says, my pronouns are he, him, what are yours? The, the feelings and the ripple that that can create in for people like me and just for broadening understanding for people, not like me, uh, it goes a little bit further than, you know, when I just say it, because, Mm -hmm. When I tell people I identify with they, them pronouns, not only am I outing myself in a way, but um, I'm 
just by a personal experience, I'm not taken as seriously that as when, you know, someone, when I say pronouns are important and I say my pronouns are they, them, it carries differently when you say it because of those boxes that you fit into. No, that makes sense. I can, I can get that. Um, one of the things, and obviously a, a lot of this, actually, I don't know where I'm assuming it may have sort of began in America or North America anyway, but one of the things that initially, I guess, probably got a lot of bad press with regards to the pronoun issue um, was... And I, and I understand that we only ever see sort of the extremes on the news or you mm-hmm. know on Facebook, that kind of thing, was essentially like people getting in, at times violently angry over mistakes. And I think one of the things from coming from my perspective, I guess I'm now talking on behalf of people similar to me, um, priv- people of, in a privileged position with regards to this issue, um, is almost like a fear of making a mistake. So right. uh, I'll give you an example, and you can feel free to correct my mistake because this is something I was thinking oh. of earlier. Go so, ahead, Brock. Go ahead. One thing I know I've said to you a lot, but I've said to I say to everyone, and then I was thinking, well, I wonder if Dev is just gonna be offended by this. Is I call everyone dude, I call everyone mate, I call everyone man like sarah anyone male female it's just it's not a a pronoun it's just a i don't know a placeholder for their name i guess that i use and i had the thought coming into this podcast what about what if that's actually offensive to dev and then i was like well why is it just dev that i've ever actually had that thought about is that offensive does that make sense no, that makes total sense. I was going to bring this up with you because okay, good. yesterday you said it uh, when we were chatting about rescheduling um, yes. and you said, man, and for me, and I, I do not represent, nor do you, you know, all people like I yeah, think yeah. you can have that covered and not have to re- go over that. Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, no, because I know coming from you as a friend that you don't have any malicious intent besides saying that um, an example I can use and people could drag me through the mud for this too, is I call a lot of people, especially the, well, those close to me, um, regardless of gender, cis, it's kind of like the same thing um, that you use with man. Yeah. Now uh, I would caution using that with people that you don't know because yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't have that established. Um if it were to upset me, I would have told you. Mm. Uh, do I love it? No. Do okay. I understand that there's nothing ill from you behind that? Uh, yeah. If you were to just say he, he, he all the time when I have outwardly expressed that they represents me, then we would have a conversation about that. Um, I think what you brought up was was with with media is is a really huge point to talk about because media is always twisted in, in certain ways. A lot of things are sensationalized, right? It's always something massive. And, um, we don't see all of the context that happens with those videos. I'm sure I've seen the videos that you're referring to. And I've had conversations with many people when trying to discuss gender and different identities and pronouns. And they refer back to these and say, well, I don't, you know, I don't even want to say anything because I don't want that reaction. I don't, 
uh, and I'm going to put accountability on my community. I don't think a reaction like that is really ever warranted, even if someone is using it maliciously and saying, excuse me, saying, sir, or what have you, Mm. um, that type of reaction is never going to build any level of understanding, even if you're emotional, if you're emotional, walk away, you know, um, don't react to things like that. And I think those instances really put people like you in the situation of, geez, am I going to say something wrong and then get this reaction? You shouldn't. And that, that, um, responsibility is, is on our community and our people. And again, People can disagree with me within my community. If you listen to this, that's fine. I'm not here to represent all people, but that's how I feel. And in my own experience, um, I used to address talking about these topics a little bit more aggressively and a lot differently than I do now. And I realized that I was not getting anywhere with anyone and talking with people that way and saying people are wrong and getting angry about things, even if I felt or feel angry. And I found that by setting an example and having calm conversations like we're having now, I've built a lot more bridges of understanding that have had a greater ripple of effect than, than reacting in that way. Um, so, yeah. Cause I think uh, from what I've seen, like there are the conversations like this on terms of say, for even okay, so speaking from my experience, my total exposure to, um, this issue and people's understanding of it, the conversations that happen like this are by far the minority compared to all of the information that I'm being bombarded with online and you know the parts of that that are about pronouns and gender issues and that sort of thing. A lot of it, like you said before, is sensationalized. So my, say, 90% of what I know about this is from a sensationalized media source and then the 10% pretty much has been from your podcast. <laughs> right, <laughs> so, right. The, the numerous ones that you've done. So I, I – and even then, like like we were saying to with regards to the podcast we're doing as we speak, um, we wanted to try and do a bit more of a deep dive because my – I, I've now got an understanding of the definitions um, of the, you know, of different pronouns of the LGBTQIA plus. Yeah. Is that right? Did it. I get it? Yes. You got it. I said that to someone else the other day. They're like, you forgot the A. I'm like, God, every time I miss one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I've got the definitions of that and I know where to find the resources uh, if I do forget like that. Um but then uh, now for me, because I'm, and I always have been, I'm kind of, I'm that kid that used to pull things apart to find out how they work. Now I need to want, now I want to know how it works. Like why, why is this an issue? How has it happened? How right. is, how are the current efforts to change it actually going to do that kind of thing? Um, right. And I think that's one of the things I was, wasn't sure of with the, with the well, so with the pronoun promise, for example, I wasn't sure, and I'm starting to get an idea already from from what you've told me. I wasn't sure how, like, what what is this going to do, kind of thing. Right. Um, I understand uh, about you know garnering support, and you know it's important that people are then showing their understanding of the issue and showing their support for uh, people who may identify with different pronouns to. The I don't know is it is there such thing as a cis pronoun? What is it just like the mainstream? Maybe I don't know what the 
Is there a term? So for that? yeah, so cis, cis and trans, those refer to and non-binary refer to to gender identities themselves. Okay. Pronouns don't always actually match those. Okay. Um, there are are trans individuals that use that are uh, trans female, and they still use they them pronouns, or even some use male pronouns. Um, those don't always go hand in hand. So cis cis just means you identify as the the gender that is assumed at birth, or you know the sex assumed at birth. Yeah. So as uh, like I understand um, about sort of garnering support and building momentum and that kind of thing, but then I was like, is because I think to me, the issue was, like, I feel like the pronoun promise is looking at the issue more on, I felt, um, more on sort of an individual level. So it was about garnering support. So individuals felt, uh, you know, supported and these people are allies, that kind of thing. Whereas I was like, how is that going to change the issue as a wider society, I think is kind okay. of where I was a little bit. So, no, it's, it's cool that you bring that up because I don't, I've, I've put out there on Instagram, I don't know why I'm not seeing people say, Hey, I put my pronouns, he, him in, and it's, it's that population. Um, so bringing that up is, it, it helps me understand a little bit differently. So from my standpoint, my, my goal, I mean, my, I would love it to be as, as big as causing a mass effect in the United States or in elsewhere where pronouns are used. That is my goal. I understand that maybe that's not what my achievement will be, but the point behind it was, was that, um, representation. And it's, it's not even just about the individual or showing an ally. That wasn't, that's not even my point. That's, that's part of the benefit. But if someone, if, if Joe puts he, him in his, in his, uh, in his bio, or if Joe adds he, him to his emails, it's not just people within the community or within, you know, the tight knit OT Instagram online community that sees that other people are going to see that and say, Oh, Joe's putting he, him in his email. Now that's, you know, I, that's kind of cool. Or they may not think anything of it, but it increases that representation from people outside of outside of the community, which is really where that impact has to happen. Um, behind the scenes, I've had a lot of conversations with people about like like yourself that didn't understand it. And we talked about what pronouns mean and kind of they're in the same coming to that same realization with you that it's not just about being an ally or, you know, changing it on Instagram. So I take a screenshot and I put it in my highlight. It's there's a bigger meaning behind it. And it's for it's for the larger group of everyone. And if you in your email or some people have been so incredible to change their own intake forms for their clinics and leave an open space for someone to put their pronouns or identity, when someone like me sees that or sees if I'm emailing you at your, your university email and I see that you have pronouns, that automatically for someone that it matters to like me changes that interaction I'm going to have with you. It, it puts that relationship that I can establish with you in your case as a professor or a healthcare provider, I'm automatically in a different place with you than, than when that's not shared. And that based on what research is out there can change lives. It can change how people feel about themselves, how they feel about their own life, that validation, that representation. That's what my goal is um, ultimately with that. And that's the effect that I, I hope it has. But I, I knew somewhere there was a lack of understanding of kind of what it was about because 
balanced. I mean, just in my own life, all my my girlfriends or those that identify as female have always been the most outwardly supportive. I we could go into the the deep dive of psychology and why that may be, um, but it's not it's not just about you know that it has to be about everyone and you putting that in your email if you were to or even in your podcast show notes or whatever someone like me is going to see that and they're going to have a whole different experience because of that and it's going to be for the better and all it is is a simple sharing of your own language or sharing of your own identity it's not i'm not asking anyone to do i think anything too difficult and i don't understand but you're helping me understand what holds people back from doing that it's just language and I don't want to say that it's just language and, and water it down, but mm. to share it, it's just language, but that language is so powerful, you know? Yeah, because I, I think well, from my perspective anyway, I can't, obviously can't speak for everyone who might be resistant to do that. It's not, I don't, I, I know that there would be some people out there that would be sort of, I guess, actively resistant against uh you know, using pronouns or even acknowledging that they're a thing. Um, not the case for me. For me, it was more like, I don't get it. Like, yeah. why, why am I doing this? Like, what? Like, I, it got to the point, and I did actually consider it. I'm like, if I do this, I'm literally, I'm only doing it because Dev asked me to, and he's my friend. And I'm like, yeah. but I have no idea why. And obviously, like we said at the very start, I wouldn't have had a clue which ones to what to write anyway. So right. I'm like I and like I said, I'm I'm the kind of person that wants to know how shit works. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to just the fact that it does work. I like I can't tell you, I, I can't describe the feeling, but um I'm gonna use Sarah as an example because it's a, a mutual friend, but um and this isn't to take away from anyone else who's made an effort, but Sarah uh herself has made a lot of effort in, in just kind of breaking that norm and rewiring her, her brain. And she still uses he pronouns for me at times, but will immediately correct it and say they. And although I'm okay with he, him pronouns, it doesn't, doesn't make me feel bad when uh, most of the time, when we, we already discussed if mm. someone's doing it just to Unless be a, it's like deliberate and just being a dick. Yeah. Yeah, then they're just being a dick anyways. They can say whatever they want. But when Sarah makes that effort to correct it and uses it properly, I can't tell you like how much that makes my day or how well that makes me feel because I'm being validated. And like 99% of my day, I'm not validated as a, as a healthcare professional. It's, it's really not safe in most. And I'm in New York, which uh, one of the, the only OTs you've talked to that's not from California. Yes. Um, yeah. Finally, we York, found one. which california is too it's new york's uh primarily like the liberal state um most of the big cities are but where i work isn't a big city and um it's not safe for me to use they them pronouns or even to say that i'm gay and i have to protect myself each day so when someone like sarah uses that and shows that effort it it really like makes a positive impact on my day and that's just a sliver of it and i'm pretty I guess, relatively chill when it comes to that. Um, not everyone's like me. And so using the correct pronouns like just totally changes your emotion. It changes your day. It validates who you are in a society that like really doesn't validate this, the community that I live in, the LGBTQIA plus community. We're not validated. The representation is low. And when it's there, it's 
usually someone who externally looks like me. It's a white male presenting person, um, which is not representation. So it goes deeper than just even the language. There's those layers of what we all need as people. We all seek validity and representation and, and, and love and, you know, all of those things. And that can come from just the use of a word, which to me seems simple, but I understand that to not everyone, even if it is simple, it's, you know, there's, there's a lack of understanding of, of why that is. Oh, that's man. That's social constructionism. That's, that's how we construct the whole world. So that completely makes sense to me. One thing I was yeah. going to ask, because this is another thing, and it may just be my shitty understanding of the English language. So the context in which these pronouns are used, because mm. to me, like say uh, they, them sound like I would use that talking about you to someone else. Right. So there, to, to clear that water of language, I've had, I've had a conversation with a speech therapist about this. The Webster, Merriam-Webster Dictionary does recognize a singular they, them. Um, you, the word you, if we're going to just nip this in the bud, can refer to a single person or a group of people, right? You can say you and you're referring to multiple people and you can say you and I'm referring to just you. It's really not a different concept with they. Um, it just depends on the pronoun and the pronoun is, you know, you is not a pronoun, although someone might come at me for that. Someone might use you as a pronoun. I don't know, but, uh, just for an example, there it's are more not than a common one word. One if it is. Yeah, yeah. 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 There, there are more than one word in the English language or even just outside of our English language that has a singular use and a plural use. So you is a good way to maybe understand that, but so they is, go ahead. Are you able to? Give me, because I'm slow, are you able to give me an example of just any sentence that I would say, say, to you with the pronouns in it? To me? Yeah. Because you were saying before, like, uh, Sarah, missed, uh, like, if she does misuse the pronoun, she quickly corrects it. And I'm oh. assuming that's a conversation with you that she's using so they, them. It, yeah. Well, no, it's... Because that's usually, the bit I don't understand because I'm like, to me, those words are words that you would use. Like if I was talking, say, Sarah's here, if I was talking to Sarah about you, it would be not, you know, him or he. It would be they, them. Yeah, like yeah. it doesn't I – don't, so, I can't work out in my head, and maybe it's because I'm slow, how I would ever use those words in a sentence like right now, me talking directly to you. So – it's not pronouns are usually used when you're talking about someone. Yeah. It's not usually when you're talking to someone. Usually when you're talking to someone, you use their name or a nickname or anything yeah, else yeah, like yeah. that. So that's what was confusing is, me. Yeah, no. So Sarah was talking about me. I think it was on a it was on a live um gotcha. with Michelle. Yeah, and she said he and then said they. Um and that's that's more so where it's used or when we're on Marco Polo yeah. and she's talking to someone talking else. To the group. On, yeah, talking yeah. to the group about me and, and uses he and then we'll correct today. Um, I don't really think ever if I'm talking to you directly, do I say he and I'm referring to you in a in a singular yeah. conversation. Yeah. <laughs> that's where I was like, I don't get how I'm meant to use these words if it's not that way. Yeah, I mean, they... That makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. I use they for for most people just as a neutral term because I'm trying not, I'm trying to 
unwire that assumption that we all have of like who a person is just by looking at them. So yeah. that's kind of what I try to do. But yeah, it's usually when you're talking about others, not directly to them. I think I kind of can and correct me if this is a terrible example, um, but I've kind of aligned it with, uh, and I used to do this a lot when I was working clinically. If you're working with uh, you know, an adult woman, you don't know if she's a miss, a missus. So generally I would default to miss, which is kind of that middle ground and it could be either. And even married women would sometimes, you know, use miss. So it was kind of almost the neutral uh, one to start before you were, before you actually were able to work out what, what, the, what title they identified with. Sure. So I see your point there. But um, I wouldn't use, yeah, there's the but. I wouldn't use, and I don't use, like, Ms. or Mr. Um, or Sir or Ma'am. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just me working on being all inclusive. I usually just use the name. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would ask them, do you prefer, um, like, a certain surname or Mrs. or Mr. Doctor or whatever? Um, I usually start with the name and then leave that open. That way you're just you're not in a position to misidentify someone. Yep. Okay. That makes sense. But we're, your point, yeah, the, using something that is a little bit more, like, more neutral. Yeah. Absolutely. And then I, I'm just working on taking that a step further and just... So in terms of, uh, well, I guess the commonly used pronouns, would they, them, be more neutral than, obviously, the more... Uh, I don't know what you'd call them. Sex aligned, like he, him, she, her, like that would be yeah. more neutral compared to yep, those, they, for example. They, them pronouns are non-gendered where yeah, he that's, that's is. That's the term I was looking for. Yeah. <laughs> he is referring to someone who identifies with the male gender um, and she is referring to someone who identifies with the female gender and they refers to those who are, don't identify with either gender, identify a different way, or it's just, it's non-gendered. So it's a neutral pronoun to use. It's kind of a, a catch-all term. Something else, and this is a slightly different topic, but it's something that I've seen, I, well, I have thought it in the past and I have seen it used as, I don't know what you'd say, as an argument to the, well, from both sides, actually, with regards to this issue is, Firstly, is there, or essentially, is the difference between sex and gender? Mm. And I've, and I can always see the smoke on your face that I'm probably going to put my foot in it now, but I'm going to do that anyway, and then we'll work it out. No, uh, this we might both get in trouble for this. That's um, okay. I'm all right with that. If you are, yeah, me too. Okay. Cool. Um, so I personally, there, I have friends uh, who disagree with me. So you're listening to this, you've already had this conversation, but um, I do view sex and gender differently. Uh, So my sex is male. um, And that's not just based off of my reproductive organs. I think sex is important when it comes to science and health. We know that the male sex is more likely to have a diagnosis of Parkinson's as opposed to a female sex. And uh, someone of female sex is more likely to have breast cancer than someone of male sex. There are, I think there are reasons why that's important, especially when you just break it down to to science, health and, and biology. However, 
gender really is this construct that we have society have formed. And um, it's not based off of sex. There's a lot of people that argue that it comes from sex, but it's not. Gender is just something that we've created. uh, And the concepts behind gender that men wear blue and girls wear, we have to have a gender reveal party and blue goes for boys and pink goes for girls. Where did that bullshit come from? It's not written anywhere and it's not biological. There's, you know, there's nothing attached to that besides what we as society feels is comfortable and is normal, quote unquote. Um, So I personally feel like, you know, there is, there's always, there is a divide between sex and gender. Um, I still can see the value as a non-binary individual in sex, um, as someone who works in healthcare and who, um, you know, is involved with science, but I don't, I don't always see the value in gender. However, um, gender has a place for a lot of people, specifically those who are transgender and, um, you know, work for a long time in their life to be affirmed as a certain gender and transition to the gender that matches um, who they are, like mentally, physically, spiritually, Mm, their identity. Yeah, Yeah, that that gender is super important to them. And I don't want to say gender is stupid or shouldn't exist. But I think the way that we pressure certain things, almost everything to be gendered, um, is wrong. And that's what puts people in a lot of different situations, um, psychologically that aren't favorable. Um, I had a a discussion with someone about gendering, uh, occupations and how I personally don't feel like occupations, really any occupation. And we could have this conversation is inherently gendered. For example, I wear makeup Anyone could argue that that uh, including makeup as a part of grooming is for the female gender, and you would only ask a female that. But I am a living example of that's not true. Um, females only don't knit or do certain things. Males aren't the only ones who do woodworking or like to nail <laughs> things or create wood. Whatever. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't. <laughs> Let's just leave it as construction in general. There we go. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you know, crafts with big old electric tools and nail guns. That's not just a male thing. I don't. I don't think any occupation is is gendered, and I think mm. that's where gender gets in the way of people just being people. I I'm actually the smirk that you gave me earlier. I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble here. But you've. It sounds like, on terms of that, we might have similar views. In that, one of the things that I feel is, has been super controversial about this issue in the news um, is people either not believing or not understanding a difference, again, my opinion, uh, between sex and gender. Where sex, I, I agree with you, it's not necessarily about reproductive organs. I look at it generally from a chromosomal level. Um, and yes, there is intersex as well. So it's not just two sexes as well. So you've right. got, you know, uh, male, female, intersex. Um, but then, yes, gender is the social construct on top of that, which is more to do with identity theory. And I think exactly what you said in that I, I try and look at it when I'm trying to get my head around. I kind of try and picture it sort of as a how things have happened over time. So I think about, you know, a hundred years ago, males did this, females did this, and the occupations associated with those roles. So 
You know, back mm-hmm. then, uh, say a woman would have kids. She probably wasn't working. She would stay at home. She would cook. She would clean. Like that was almost a, a societal assigned uh, yeah, role. Yeah, exactly. Um, so if we were to look at, uh, so back back a hundred years ago, you could probably argue that there was. M- predominantly only two genders, but that was purely and simply because life was kind of rigid (laughs) in a way that you were essentially born into, you know, people would take over the family farm that like you were born essentially into the life that you were going to have. What we have nowadays is we have incredible amounts of freedom in that, like I don't even have to stay in the same country I was born, let alone, uh, you know, do the job that my father was doing when I was born kind of thing. Like it might have been 100, 200 years ago. So we've got this freedom to be in our lives, become whoever we want, whatever we want, or even at least try. Yeah. And I think the same with that freedom has also evolved all aspects of our identity. So we no longer have to, because I, I can guarantee even, you know, 100, 200 years ago, there probably was still, well, there definitely would have been somewhere, still people who, there would have been, you know, housewives who were stuck in that rut going, this isn't me, but I didn't have any options <laughs> to do anything else. Right. Whereas nowadays, like even now, if I'm like, oh, I don't really like, not that this would ever happen, but oh, I don't really like OT, I'll go and do something else. I'm not stuck. I can do whatever right. I want. And I think this, the freedom is only now sort of trickling down. So it's, you know, it might have started with you know, household roles. It might have it started with we've seen things throughout history, like um, I'm using women as the example because that's the obvious one I can think of. Like now, you know, women are more, more likely to be working and not just having kids and staying home. They're even shitty things like they're now able to vote which is pretty weird that they never were before kind of thing um we're seeing advances in a historical point of view with uh you know race equality and that kind of thing and uh, granted for a lot of these things there's still a long way to go but we're seeing some progress um and i think this is almost a continuation of all of these uh, social advances that we're having due to a lot more of the freedoms that have been opening up to us for the last 200 years kind of thing. Right. That, I don't know if I'm no, making sense now. I Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of complexities that were happening in those time periods. I mm. think the one word I would maybe change that you use is want to be because, um, okay. and just to go off of that, like for, and this, this goes back to an internalized homophobia, but um, for a long time, I didn't want to be gay. I knew that's who I am. Like, I can't change that attraction contrary yep. to popular belief. Um, and there are a lot of people that don't want don't want to be trans, um, but they are. And I think that's really what's changed. Representation has changed. Um, I think even a lot of things have changed. Even 50 years ago, um, we could talk about the Stonewall riot and the culmination of pride from... Uh, Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera in New York City that that started a wave of representation. And these were people 
nowadays who may identify as trans, but back then, you know, didn't that identity didn't didn't really exist as much or wasn't talked about. Um, I think androgyny has existed for hundreds of years. It just depending on the um, the medium that it's in has been accepted. Um, I think it's all just also about safety. Like if I were alive and identifying as I am a hundred years ago, I probably wouldn't be alive for very long. And that, that that's the same thing for certain races, certain religions. Um, so yeah, I think when we're referring back to that, there, there were a lot more strict things, but I think the entirety of the world was just so different. And nowadays we do have more freedom and you're right. There's a long way to go. Um, there are, there are States where I, based off of my identity, if someone found out who I am right now in the United States, I can get fired, um, just for, for being gay. Um, I can be denied marriage in a place. Yeah. Um, I, there, there's a lot of things that I can't do even within the United States, um, by being non-binary or by identifying as gay. And that's in, you know, we're in 2020. So, um, yeah, I mean, I can get federally married, you know, in any, in any state, but, um, places don't have to marry me because of their religious views or their political views. There's still a lot of things that aren't equal, um, which is, it's, you know, it's something that's, that's part of what my work and the work of many others is, is working towards is just having the same seat at the same table as everyone else, because we're people too. That, wow, that actually, I'm very surprised about. I thought, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure why. I just thought America was a little bit further ahead than than that. Well, at least some most states. Yeah, I'm there. Sure I mean, thing. honestly, it's hard for me to keep track of the bills, but there are there are different bills that are proposed and passed for specific states or blocked. Um, where and there are things being voted on as we speak that involve, um, you know, reproductive rights and. Mm, I've seen um, those. Yeah, uh, sexual orientation rights in in certain states, um, you can lose your job there. I don't I don't recall the exact state, but there was just a story I read of someone who came out as transgender uh, after years of of finally being able to self identify and you know being able to accept who they are, and they lost their job because of that. And there's not always legislation that protects people like me from that. And um, we have a long way to go, but yeah, we've, we've come far. Um, but there's, yeah, there's still a long way to go. I kind of, I was thinking about this just before, as you were talking, um, I'm trying to, <clears throat> so I, when I'm trying to understand something, I try and at least try and make some correlation, but between something I already understand, which is, yeah, mm-hmm. kind of, makes kind of sense when I say it out loud, but trying to get, my head around, I guess the the groundswell and the uh, around the the we'll call it the pronoun promise because that's your um, project. I'd s- correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm thinking that it's more about the normalization of pronouns than the promotion of them. It's like a it's a double double edged sword there. Yeah. Um, it is about the normalization of them, but it is also about the projection of them. And in projecting them as someone who 
you know, fits those boxes we've talked about, you begin to normalize them. That it's not just people who use uh, they, them pronouns that have to announce them or be, you know, misgendered or mispronounced. It's not just people who identify as, as trans or non-binary that constantly, it's exhausting all the time having to say, this is who I am, please identify me this way. If we all view that as a part of identity and project that and normalize that, then it makes the lives of just everyone easier to live. Um, and then that goes back to that validation we've talked about. I like, it is exhausting for me um, to all the time have to tell people who I am when it doesn't always matter or when it's always questioned. Um, it's exhausting for me. And I still have some of those privileged lanes or, or boxes I get to drive in. And there are a lot of people not like me that don't have that. And I can't imagine how exhausting it is. I like, I'm getting emotional over it, but it's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating to the point where I get so angry all the time for having to justify who I am. I'm just a person and I just want to be as much of a person as you or whoever else next to me on the street. But I don't get that right because of my identity. And it's not the identity I choose. It's the identity that I am and that I live. And maybe, maybe the pronoun promise won't have an impact on that, but maybe it will. And maybe even for a hundred people, it will normalize the use of pronouns and maybe from them using it another 10 and from those 10, another five. And that's, that's the goal. Um, and I think if we normalize it, then it becomes less of an issue that can actually impact the, the suicidal ideation or the myriad of other things that came up in the research, uh, higher risk for obesity, for drug abuse, um, substance use, like that all came in this study from just not being identified as as like who they are, who they wish to be identified as. So that's that's where that where the pronoun promise is is aimed towards, and it it's it's both. It's normalization and it's it's projecting that out, so that maybe I don't have to project it all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I that I'm starting to get my head around it now. It's starting to make sense to me, which is a good thing. <laughs> one of the things i've heard around well it's general public conversation online just kind of conversations and stuff as a um not a reason not to engage in this sort of stuff but uh, a difficulty in engaging in this kind of uh conversation is uh, the summarized quote is it just we it keeps changing so for example one of the arguments i've seen is so back when i was i can't remember when i was a kid but say in high school it used to be lgb and then after that they added the t and then they added a q and then like it just it's growing and there's more uh concepts or more i don't want to say types of people but i guess i Identities. Identity. There's more identities that um, the cisgendered public, did I use that right? Yeah. Uh, uh, are having to try and get the... Yeah, hetero. Okay, yeah, that'll do. That that works too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, having to get their... Or get an understanding of. Why, I, I think the argument that I've heard is, where does it end? Like, are we going to end up with 
26 letters and because I think I think one of the issues I've heard people talk about is every time it changes like they they're not getting their head around the previous iteration and then it changes and then it's like having to start again or well okay this person this anonymous made up person that I'm pointing at right now uh originally I would have or originally would have been under one of these letters, and now there's another category. Do they fit there? Like, what is this compared to this? Um, it feels like I think the, and I kind of understand how it's come about, like the mm-hmm. uh, adding of identities, but I think it's happened so fast over the last, let's say, decade, two decades, with regards to these identities, um, that. A lot of people are struggling to, I guess, keep up almost. Sure. Okay. So I have some thoughts on this. One, um, and we've kind of already covered part of this, that like even 100 years ago, just gay, not even like lesbian or bi was like not a thing slash kind of a thing, but not like really a thing, right? Outwardly. Although people like me with any letter of the of the acronym, like we've existed throughout time. It's just like the, the, the ability to openly exist or be validated has not existed throughout time. Um, do I think that more letters would be added to the acronym? Yeah, I don't think we're, and, and this comes from, I don't think we're ever going to have one term or acronym or letters that, that will at any point represent all people or how they identify. Um, I personally, if we're going to have gender exist, I think gender is very much so a spectrum. Like we talk about autism, you know, spectrum disorder, not that gender is a disorder, but a lot of things are a spectrum. They're not just this or that. Um, And I think as people find their place, maybe along that spectrum, new identities or terms come from that. And maybe that's more for the individual or it's not for the public, I think, or it is for the public, but I think the the biggest thing, um, it's not always about you understanding. You don't, you don't actually have to understand something for it to be or exist or you to acknowledge that. Um, I don't understand astrophysics, but I know that it's a thing and I know that it exists and it's real. And there are people that do understand that and that's great for them. Just because I don't understand it doesn't mean it's not a thing, right? So as time goes on, Uh, People may find a new word or identity that represents them. And to be quite frank with you, for the longest time, I didn't understand the identity of transgender. That was something, or even bisexualism, that I did not understand because that's not who I am. It took a long time to understand me. And I think a lot of people within the community don't talk about this as enough enough that like I don't understand all of the letters beyond the plus I don't but I don't have to for that person to be valid or to be real and I think that's part of the problem um everyone tries to understand everything and we're curious and we want to know but it's not always about you understanding it's just about you uh, not even I don't even like the word accepting but just knowing that 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 person or that identity exists and it's going to exist regardless if you understand it or not and it's valid, regardless if you feel like it's valid or not. Um, that's part of the problem there is that that understanding. It would be great if everyone could understand it. I know that reality is not everyone is going to be able to understand it from their own biases, from their own internal whatever that's going on. Um, 
but yeah, I, I don't know where the acronym ends. I don't even personally know all the letters that are included in the acronym. I did a 101 for a reason. And I learned a lot myself from that. Uh, I didn't know all of that before posting it. I had to do my own research and I plan to expand on that as time goes on. I think just the point is, is that as we develop as humans, as an accepting and open society, there's, there's going to be more room for people to say, hey, this is who I am. And that may include another letter in an acronym or another word or a term, um, but it doesn't require your understanding. That makes sense. I get that. I think that, and I, I think that's part of the issue of general public is that they feel like oh, I said this. The I don't know. I'm not speaking on behalf of general public, but I've. Mm-hmm. seen people and it put, my perception of what they're saying is that they feel like it's almost being pushed upon them to understand it and i like your your explanation in that like it's it's not for them really right well and, and here's the thing too brock that like whole pushed upon concept yeah. that's like really really cute and all but um heteronormativity has been pushed on all of us Mm. forever. And that's part of the reason why it's really hard for us just to find out who we are. So I don't have empathy for the, for the pushed upon argument because like I see hetero couples kissing, doing whatever, whatever, wherever I exist all the time. And Mm. I don't love that. Like you do you, that's great. Um, but like me existing isn't pushing anything on anyone else because you already exist and we live in a heteronormative society. So I think that's part of the problem and maybe I'm coming, maybe people will think that this is bitchy or coming across harsh, but it really just is like, you don't have to understand it. Mm. Um, You're probably not going to always understand it. I'm going to have a hard time understanding some things too, but that doesn't mean that it's not a thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, like even what you were just saying then, like you, this, you're exposed to that stuff like TV, um, movies, just wandering around the street, all of that. Like you're, you're immersed in that world without, like without choice, essentially. That's, right. That's which I, I can't imagine how difficult or how, how I don't even, I don't know why well, I don't know if it's difficult, but I'm assuming there would be difficulties within that at least. Um, oh, sure. That, that would. It's it's that like, I think that's where a lot of people like me struggle with a sense of belongingness because what we see in front of us all the time is not representative of who we are, and that's now we're going back to that representation and that that validation. Um, like we, I still live in a world that does not represent people that look like me, and that's, that's hard. I mean, it's, I'm not saying that my struggle is any greater than anything else. We can go down a rabbit hole talking about, you know, race and other things Mm. that have historically and systematically been underrepresented and continuously are, but in my own realm of, of marginalization, like it's not easy. I'll, I'll say that Um, there are things that I think are more difficult, but it, a lot of where where like associated mental health um, struggles come from within the community, like it's it starts with that representation and that heteronormativity, what we see all the time, what we long for, what we want for ourselves, and how 
that doesn't exist on the same scale as it does for people who fall into that category. Because I think, or do you think, because that was a, an interesting point you brought up just briefly with regards to, uh, you know, there's been issues with race around that as well. And there's obviously, um, there's a, a stigma around a lot of this stuff. Do you think from, even from a theoretical, because obviously the experiential uh, perspectives are different, but from a, a theoretical perspective, that there's sort of almost correlation between the stigma associated with uh, persons of LGBTQIA plus uh, community and people from a racially diverse community and how they're interacting with, obviously it's a, what did you call it, heteronormative? Yeah. For you and, uh, you know, a culturally dominant world for people of a racially diverse. Do you see from a theoretical perspective that they might be of a similar ilk? I know this yeah, is kind that's, of a deep question, but... No, I mean, that's where... Are you familiar with the term, like, intersectionality? Uh, I've heard it, but I wouldn't say I'm okay. overly familiar with it. So what you just described is intersectionality, and that's really, to put it in, like, a watered-down version that marginalized people of one marginalized group can see, feel, and empathize with the struggles of another marginalized group. So... I will never say that like one group has more struggles than the other. Um, we all have different struggles, but I, even in that aspect myself have grown a lot in my understanding and advocacy for diversity, because um, if I'm going to use an example, a good friend, Michelle, um, DOT, Michelle de Jesus, um, like I don't know what it's like to be a female Latina OT, but I know what it feels like to be, a gay non-binary OT and how, or even just a, you know, sex of male, someone who's male presenting in the OT profession, we are weird to say, but a minority. And so I don't know what her exact struggle feels like, but I know what struggling feels like. And I can, I can advocate for, for her to, and for the struggles that she goes to. Um, and that's, that's intersectionality, understanding the struggles of, of the other groups um, that it's not just about one group struggle. It's really that a lot of different marginalized groups are are struggling in different ways, but there's a struggle that between all of us. I'm wondering if, and you know, it may already have been happening, whether there might be, and it might be something to look into, uh, I guess lessons learned from one group struggle that we can use uh, in, well, in this case, in the LGBTQIA+. I think I'm starting to get the hang of that. Um, uh, situation. I I mean, I think there are, I think like some things, uh, if we're going to talk about like the, the black community, um, with the struggle in the United States, well, actually all over the world, but in the U S like, uh, just existing in public spaces was not something that was allowed, um, for a long period of time, which is just insane. Um, and I think other groups like myself, it's, it's hard for me still to feel safe wearing makeup, which I like to wear, um, um, at certain times or certain days, I feel like I want to wear that wearing that out in public is tough for me, but I, I see from history that existing in a space has power to it. And that's something that I personally learned from the struggles of, the, the African-American or, or black community um, 
and those, you know, those people of color, like that is just existing is hard. And I think that that's, that's a concept that I've learned that does facilitate change. I think a lot of times, um, when people think, uh, just in my experience and, and what I've read, like when people think of someone who's non-binary or, uh, they think of someone who's like super androgynous or, um, of gay, it's always this, the stereotype of like that flam, a flamboyant individual or, uh, for someone who identifies as lesbian, it's always, you know, the assumption that they're going to be butch. Um, people carry around those stereotypes, but it's not, and the stigma is associated with that, but it's not until you see someone that's like, oh, look, there's Dev, and Dev's just being Dev, and Dev has eye makeup on, that that changes their understanding of maybe what that identity is. And I think that's where that whole concept of just existing in public spaces, um, I don't know, fosters power from. I do wonder, and I, I think I, I've had this thought at times, how big a part, uh, I guess, oh, I don't know if I want to go down this route. Oh, stuff it, we'll do it. We can edit it out if it's shit. How big a part things like organized religion um, have played in shaping society? Because I know in Australia and um, I think in the States as well, like, it played a massive part in shaping the government structure, shaping the policies, and that, like the original, like when the country, the I'm assuming you'd say the country was formed, when you mm-hmm. decla- is it? Oh, I don't know. I don't know American history very well, but <laughs> when America became <laughs> the UN, United States, and you know the original sort of government stuff was all put together, I think uh, even just the values which you know, would have all come from one particular religion, but they were very strongly influencing, you know, the policies and how things run and that kind of thing. And I've seen a lot of religious arguments with regards to LGBTQIA plus community Mm -hmm. and even in the pronouns uh, debate. I wonder how big an impact the modern religion Real churches, I guess, um, are playing within that debate. Given that they've had such an impact on you know how the whole country, yours and mine, um, was I guess set up, kind of thing. Yeah, uh, they are. There's still there's still a large impact when we when I talked about um, you know people getting denied the right to marriage in certain locations. That's typically driven from uh, religious exemption. Um, uh, the whole like idea of conversion therapy, especially for minors that that grew from religious groups and is still today supported by religious groups. Um, I want to be cautious and like not shitting on religion or spirituality in general. I, I uh. consider myself a spiritual person, but I think there's a different realm that that certain not even just religions in general, but institutions, uh, churches, places of, of worship, if you will go to, and, um, you know, we could talk about psychology and groupthink and kind of how that is facilitated through religion. And there still is a stronghold from religion on our current U S government, um, on, on, on state government policies, um, the states in the United States along the, the Bible belt, uh, that, uh, States that identify heavily with one religion historically are the 
the states that have the most legislation against people within my community or any any marginalized community, um, other religions themselves. There, that's really where the divide comes from. So there still is an impact. Um, However, with that being said, there are a lot of people in those spaces now as well that identify with those religions that don't think that way, that are that are sh- working to shift that mindset too. Um, I don't think, yeah, uh, to, to, to try to answer your question, there is still a religious stronghold um, when it comes to policies and um, I guess the continuation of stigmas and stereotypes and intolerance. Um, but there have been improvements in that area too. There's just a lot of improvement to go there. Yeah, I think, and we saw the same over here with regards to uh, like gay marriage legislation and that sort of thing. Like one of the major drivers against it was religious groups. Yeah. Um, and which I, I, I'm not a religious person. I, I can, from a, from my clinical background in mental health and and occupational therapy, et cetera, I understand what people get out of it. Uh, it's right. it's just not my thing, I guess. I, I grew up yeah. Anglican, um, but as a kid, but yeah, it never, I guess, never aligned with me. So I I find myself again. I don't know, you may call it a, a privileged position where I have this understanding of that particular religion that I grew up with, but I'm also now on the outside being able to look at it more critically. Um, yeah. It's, I, f- I find, and I think it's probably going to be, and I think this kind of comes back to the uh, sensationalized media thing. I find that even within large religious groups, like, you know, a church, um, it's quite often the the vocal minority that are making all the noise when uh, there are probably more supporters um, or at least people who aren't actively against it in, within that same group, but they're just not making, yeah. they're just not making as much noise essentially. Yeah, no, I mean if we're going to talk about like even just a specific church and I feel fine going here, the Westboro Baptist church. Um, I don't know if you've heard anything about, yes, I am sure you have. Yeah. They're loud. I think everyone knows. Uh, yeah. Um, that was a specific church and group of people that used the, um, I guess the scapegoat of their religion to say that certain people didn't deserve, deserve to exist in, in spaces or period, Um, and then we're talking about that sensationalization, you know, these are people that are going to protests and to funerals of people who were within the community with megaphones and yelling things. And that's what the media picks up. And then, um, I I agree with you. I think, I don't think maybe, I don't, I don't know if the mass majority, I don't, I don't really honestly care about the majority, but I don't think, I think the point is not everyone feels that way or feels any way about it what gets picked up and then kind of sensationalized and, and in some ways picks up other people is, are those specific groups that are loud about it? Like the Westboro Baptist church. Yeah. And I only talk about the minority, sorry, the majority um, from the point of if we're looking at, because ideally big picture, what we're looking at is you want cultural change. And in order for that to happen, like we need, 
the majority to pick up these concepts and these ideas and then make them the norm. And that's, that's what the, the change is going to be. So that's, that's the only thing I talk about when I talk about the, like the majority versus right. the minority is I'm looking at it from that perspective of how much do we have to sway everyone in order to make that cultural change that's going to be you know, permanent and sustained. Right. I think it even like not just even a cultural change, but systemic, like in, in, in the education system and the political system and the healthcare system, there's, I will like not to be pessimistic, but I am confident I will die before the time that I, I see the change that I wish to see in the world. And that's just being realistic, looking at history and where we were and where we are and where, where I would like to see us go. Um, and I'm, I'm okay with that. I would like some change to happen in my lifetime and be a part of that. But there, you're right. It's the change that needs to happen, um, at least just to, I guess, establish an understanding or I see, I don't even, because we talked about, it, it's like not, it's not about understanding. I, I don't like the word accepting because mm -hmm. like you don't have to, and that's, this is just going into language. You don't have to accept who I am for me to be. Um, yeah. Tolerating is also like a kind of a problematic word. Yeah, it I, it doesn't you know, sound right when you say that. Liv. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and those are the words that like we're still using. Yeah. Um, I think for people just to allow other people to be, there has to be change in like every corner. And that is going to take a lot of effort and a lot of, I don't know. I mean, if we did know, I think that change would already be happening in the right directions, but clearly like there, there has to be a lot of different something, something has to change. Um, even maybe how we're, we're trying to facilitate the change to see, anything happen because here we are and it's 2020 and we've talked about a lot of things that are still happening. And it's like, this is 2020. <laughs> uh, and some things that were happening in 1920 are still happening. Granted, a lot of things aren't, but, um, you know, we, we as a community, we as a society, as a culture are still missing something to get us forward to where, where we should be. But I mean, I feel like we've just turned this all doom and gloom, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, on the on the flip side though, though, I think I think things are changing, and in order to, like, if we, it's one of those hard things, and I think we understand it as OTs when we look at goal setting and stuff. If we're going to continually look at the big picture, which is important, it's mm -hmm. going to look like we're not going anywhere. We're treading water, like you said. There's some mm -hmm. things from the 1920s, but not everything. And I think right. it's it's, no, no. it's movements like uh, your pronoun promise, and it's education, like you're providing to. Uh, well, probably in the majority of cases with your Instagram, it's going to be other therapists uh, that are mm -hmm. following you or, or you know, family of therapists or friends of therapists may also see it if they like it and, and interact with the content as well, that kind of thing. Or they might directly just show them here, look at this. Um, yeah. But I think it's those small, uh, I call it groundswell, um, where it's those little things that then build and build and build. And like you were saying before, like you might, a hundred people might do it. And then from those hundred people, another 10 might do it. And then from those, another five or six might do it. And that's how, I guess, that's what I was saying. This is cliche, but from little things, big things grow. Yeah. That's that butterfly effect. And you're right. I don't, I didn't want it. My point was to be realistic, but oh, yeah, part yeah. Of the reality is, you know, doom and gloom. And we have, where I'm, I'm thankful for where we are today and for the people that put the work in before 
you know, I even started knowing who I was or, or working towards it. Um, and you're right. I think my, my approach is that butterfly effect where, um, a big change, maybe a big transformation can come from a lot of micro changes, you know, that like tiny ripple in the pond makes a big splash at the end. Um, so that's, that's, that's my approach. And I've, I've witnessed change there and I'm, I'm happy with keeping going and finding out how I can continue to, to foster that in different avenues, not just with what I'm already doing. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of pride in where we are today. I think it reminds me, there's a story uh, a mentor of mine has told me for years um, with regards to advocacy work and that kind of stuff. And it's like a little girl walking along the beach and there's just thousands of starfish washed up on the beach and the little girl's going around and just throwing them back in the ocean one at a time. And when she was asked, like, why? Like, there's thousands, you can't save all of them. She's like, well, I can save these one at a time kind of thing. And mm -hmm. the, I guess the the message from the my mentor about that is change what you can and don't get overwhelmed by the bigger picture because you're still making an impact even right. in doing what you're doing. And I think, I think your, your work has the potential to groundswell to some massive heights. And I think it's already having an impact. I mean, I've seen everyone in the sort of OT Instagram community and the OT online community knows who you are for starters, which means that your message is, is which is right. know, step one kind of thing. That's, that's what you want when you're putting a message out there. So, um, and, and things like this, like you're more than happy to come in and engage and you've educated the wazoo out of me today because I've learned on. <laughs> I don't know if that's a, a, a saying that you guys use. That might be very confusing. It might be an Australian thing. Oh, no. I mean, I use wazoo. I don't okay, know good. if they're still doing it. I, get, I always, like, I'll say things and, like, I'll message Sarah or something and I'll say something and she'll be like, I don't, I don't know what that means. I'm like, you know, oh, honestly, all these things that are just must be Australian terms that I don't even realize that are just us saying these weird words. I've never heard someone say they skull the coffee but I am going to now use the Do you not the have term. the word skull? Well, yeah, when we're referring to your skull, but not like... Oh, no, like uh, like you skull a beer or like you chug. So we say chug? Yeah. <laughs> um, but skull, I like that better. It's a little bit more edgy. It's yeah. <laughs> the first time I've ever been called edgy. There we go. <laughs> I'm going to skull my tea. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah that, that, that works. That's, you can do that. It's just... Drink as fast as you can, pretty much. Yeah. I think I it's like a college that. term. I think that's where I picked that up. But, that, yeah, okay. See, there's something else. I didn't even know that no one else knows that term. So, yes, I'm slowly learning that uh, the language I speak isn't universal. Well, there we go. We're back to language, Brock. And we've come full circle. There it is. Full circle. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Is there, is there anything else that you think we need to cover, is important to cover, that you want to get out there? No, I mean, I'm sure there will be like three days from now when I'm thinking about maybe what we talked about, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy. Like, I think this conversation, I hope this conversation provides, um, at least makes people think about how they think, uh, which is your whole shtick. Mm. Um, and you know, does provide some level of understanding. It's not like we talked about, it's not about that, but if, if someone can understand something differently from this conversation, then 
or thinks about it at least mission accomplished. So I think we we covered a lot of ground um, in regards to identity and pronouns and society and uh, a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, life. No, I think uh, that's probably the one. Actually, I'm going to bring that up. So that's probably the one thing I slightly disagree with you on, and I think it's only just a difference of perception is the understanding mm. thing. Like I understand, I ironically. I understand what you mean when you're saying it's not about it's not right. not important for them to understand. But for me, it's important that I understand not necessarily like your personal experience, although that does help me understand it. But I understand the nuance and the full. I guess it's kind of like making an educated. So you want to understand all the information around the thing, so that that then gives me okay. Yeah, I can engage in this this debate from a different perspective. Right. I think, and I can, I can like honor that. It's more more my understanding than me accepting your, right. As you kind of think. I think, uh, with that being said, not everyone has the same goal as you when it comes to understanding. Of course. Right. So people want to understand, um, and no, I, I like agree with you. It's, I don't even think I'm disagreeing with you. Mm. Um, I think you as a person, that makes sense. Um, I think in my experience and just trying to have this conversation with other people from like all different parts of the U.S. and rural and, and what have you, um, their understanding isn't the same understanding you're talking about. Um, their understanding is like wanting to to view someone it's it, it's more about an equality thing and viewing someone else as equal and they're just not ready for that level of understanding or that concept and so that's usually where i get into muddy waters but what you're talking about absolutely i would mm. love for everyone to address um this type of conversation or just thinking in general the way that you do that's why i was a little nervous for this conversation because i didn't <laughs> i think you were nervous I don't know where Brock. See you and Mandy and everyone said that. I am, I am nice. Oh <laughs> no, 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 be, no but it's, it's not even about you. It's about the like. It's the pretty much the stuff we addressed itself. throughout the whole conversation. It's yeah. Am I going to put my foot in this? Am I going to get hate mail because I said the wrong thing purely and simply because I didn't know what it was? Yeah. Kind of thing. And well, I, I think, think that's one of the things. That's probably the the number one biggest thing that I wanted to get into and address. And, and I, I feel like we did. Well, I understand things better. So I feel like we did do that quite well today. Or you yeah. did. I, I just, <laughs> I'm just soaking it all no, in I, kind of thing. It's like the same thing for me when I was talking with Sarah about being nervous. Like I feel a lot of weight on myself when it comes to these conversations in regards to representing the community when I, when I can't possibly represent everyone in the community, but Mm. I've given a space to talk about everyone in the community. I get nervous because in Sarah's podcast, I misspoke. Um, and I said, gay marriage is not legal in every state. What I meant to say, uh, under my nerves was that we're not gay. People are not accepted, um, or embraced in every state, but that's not what came out of my mouth in that thought process of anxiety. And, I had one individual um, that messaged me the day it came out and was like, Hey, this was great. You brought up a lot of points, but did you know you were wrong here? And like, that was 
now I'm, I'm, I'm cool with it. It still haunts me on a level because I can look back and say like, if, if that's the one thing you wanted to talk about, or took away from an hour and 40 minute conversation, then you have a different agenda. But, um, yeah, that's, I get nervous every time I have to talk about it because I know I have an opportunity to educate others and I don't want to mess it up, you know? So I feel you. And I think that's the one, not the one, but our benefit of how I like to run this podcast is uh, you're like, I bring people on who I find interesting and I want to learn from. So I'm kind of selfish. It's about me. It's just me, me, me. <laughs> oh, Brock, I know. So you're here to educate me. <laughs> <laughs> and you've done awesome that very successfully. No, I appreciate it. I know being on your podcast is there's a whole different yeah, granted it's probably mostly OT people or people within that realm, but it's it's a different audience and it's a completely different conversation than I had um with with Mandy or with Sarah and my interview with Marita. This giving me this space like means a lot cuz in all reality a lot of people wouldn't give someone like me the space because of that fear or I wouldn't maybe not fear, but just apprehension to talk about a topic like this for what might come after. Um, I'm in a a headspace. I think just in life at the moment where I'm like, because I did an episode earlier about essentially systemic racism within the community or within the OT community. Um, I'm kind of in a, a headspace now where, I'm like, I don't know these things and it's nerve wracking and it's it's hard to even sort of admit to yourself that, okay, you're shit at this, but Mm -hmm. the only way to actually improve it is to admit it, deal with the uncomfortable feeling of, oh, I don't really know what's happening here and have these conversations. So I'm... Yeah, this is. I think that's why I'm kind of just like a sponge at the moment. I'm just soaking everything up. So, um, yeah, I, I'm thoroughly enjoying the conversations. What I will say for people, if you haven't listened to either Mandy's or Sarah's conversation with Dev yet, definitely do that. Um, we didn't go into a great deal around the definitions of all the different identity terms, etc. I believe they're covered in a lot more detail in those podcasts. Um, I know this is towards the end of the podcast and I probably should have said it at the start, but uh, I would almost say it, it, probably listen to those ones first. I might actually put that in the intro. Um, it might be worth people, if you are sort of new to learning about and understanding this this area, um, go and have a listen to to those two podcasts and then have a listen to this one. It might make more sense if you're, if you're feeling new to all of this. Yeah, I feel like the the intro is a good place for that. But I agree. I think uh, there we've got to build up the steps of understanding, so they might benefit from from those first. And Brock, this is the first podcast I can say this on. My blog slash website is up and running. Finally, <laughs> I have like four posts. I have a resource page. Um, yeah, so. Check out those podcasts. You can check out the my website, therainbowot.com, or my Instagram, where I spend most of my time, which is at the Rainbow OT. Everything's rainbow and, and OT. So, <laughs> and I've just brought the blog up. There's a resources page. You can get in contact with Dev through there. I'm assuming that's via email. Yep. 
there's links to his Instagram, there's links to uh, Facebook page. What else is in here? LinkedIn's in here. All sorts of stuff. So if you want to get in contact with Dev, check out more of his uh, story, uh, as well as keep in keep up to date with his his blogs. Oh, there's one here about the pronoun promise, which we've spoken about uh, quite a number of times today. So if you are confused about what that actually is, because <laughs> I don't think we ever actually described what the pronoun <laughs> promise is after all of that, pop over to this blog. I'll put the links in the show notes as well, uh, as well to, as to Dev's uh, Instagram and anything else he would like to share. Uh, well. No, but I will. I'm going to get you, Brock, and it's because it's you. Okay, sure. His oh. try they there you go no it's listen I get it and I've had this conversation with Sarah it takes effort and I understand that but well, thank you for calling you, me out because, <laughs> because of our it. conversation and because yes. it's you I'm gonna plant that seed for your your thought process no, to change that's awesome thank you for calling me out because without it that's like I'm never gonna learn I guess. I'm never going to get my head around it otherwise. So, yes, thank you. I very much appreciate that, and I apologize. No, no worries. Thank you. Uh, Awesome. Uh, Thanks for coming on, man. No, thanks for having me. I am not sweating as much as I thought I would be (laughs) from this conversation. I'm like, oh, come on. It's like I'm, I'm not that scary. (laughs) 